Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. We have Ariana Bosco on the line, and we're so uh, excited to welcome you on to the show we had one of your brothers on the show, and um, we did talk about a film um, that if you want to tell our audiences about, too, called The Fabulous Filipino Brothers, he was on to talk about it. It's showing at CamFest this year in San Francisco. But um, I'd love to hear your take on the film, and then we have a lot more questions to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yep, I'm Ariana Lady Bosco, and I am in Fabulous Filipino Brothers, as well as uh, helped co-write it, or co-wrote. Uh, fabulous Filipino brothers um, and fab Filipino brothers, man. It's um, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a labor of, um, of love. I was written into it from the start. And when we did the first table read, I was like, mm-hmm. this is very good. And I love you guys. And this is awesome. And I think you guys wrote yourselves very well. I've, been, I've watched them all my lives. We've studied together. We've done art together. I know what their strengths are. I thought it was a brilliant script for them and to um, showcase like what they can do because they're incredible. They're incredible artists. They're incredible actors. They're, they are actually, I hope you have the opportunity to meet all of my brothers. They're incredible human beings, really. Um, um, but that being said, you know, when you when you're concentrating on so much something in your life um other things tend to tend to lack and it's really beautiful because you know all the nuances of that thing and for my brothers it's each other which is wonderful but then when it came to women i was like what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> what's happening here <laughs> come on we need to yeah so um i fought to to uh to help them. I mean, I was like, no, no, I think we really need to look at this again. And, um, and then, you know, and then this is what we ended up with, uh, one picture got locked and, and all the edits. And I was really happy to see, um, uh, yeah, a lot of my writing, writing in there. And, and even, I mean, I helped with the female characters, but of course you can't rewrite or create <laughs> female characters without also altering, um, the male characters but in that too i'm also a, a good study of my brothers and i've and i love them dearly and i and i uh can stay true to their um to their voices and and what they were going for in their vignettes so well the film would not be i don't think complete without literally your voice in your voice over in the film um and we can talk more about that in a minute um and also not to, we're not going to uh, you know, blow anything about the ending, but also, you know, you drop the mic. Um, <laughs> can you, I mean, we, it, it was a conversation with your brother. It was before we talked with your brother. We're like, um, who's this? And we need to know more about Ariana. So can you talk about adding literally your voice to the, the film and um, were your brothers like, cool, 
sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think they always had it, or Dante specifically, um, Dar's always looking out, but I think they always had it in their back, in the back of the mind, the general um, setup, the payoff at the end, so that there, I, I would um, be able to, uh, to narrate the film. But the narrations initially, along with all the other kind of, the female characters, like it, it was um, as everything is, is to move the plot along. But you know, why watch a story if you're just watching bullet points? Um, so when I really went in there and started to really dive into, okay, this is this is what she could say. This is what, and then we went through kind of renditions too because I'm a spoken word poet as well as everything that I do. And I know Dante wanted a little bit more. Like at one point, we were toying with a little bit more, like me having a bit more of a spoken wordy kind of narration, which would have been dope. And, and just innately as I was rewriting it, it, a little bit of that rhythm comes out, but not, but not, it's not pressed. I mean, it's really just about it. I wouldn't say it's poetry, but I'd say it was poetic. Some of the things that I, that I was able to put on page and say, um, but yeah, they were, they were initially there, there are four different individuals. So there's different points of views on it. Um, yeah there's a little pushback sometimes but then sometimes but then there there was support there too and i just once they said go ahead i just i just went with it i expanded a bunch of scenes and like and added a bunch of stuff in in the in the vignettes aside from uh, in addition to um my narration parts and just like kind of reshaping some of the scenes i'm like that doesn't pay off that doesn't mean she's this this has to be earned like nobody care like we got to set that up better um we got to get to know these people a, a little bit better even though yes you're you're writing a movie and there is there is a focal point it's called the fabulous filipino brothers totally get that but that's not anything without the counterpart of what's setting that up you know mm -hmm. you can't just have like dope monologues that's not going to work that's <laughs> not going to work brothers no 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 <laughs> you can't just have these women in here just to bounce off of you know right. so um but so but they you know they got it in the end and they they kept a lot of it and i'm really i'm really pleased with it <laughs> no, you you make the film absolutely mm -hmm. and and i want to know about growing up filipino as the baby because I, i'm also the baby youngest of five but i have four older sisters so ah, what yeah. what was it like because we we all know the boys get get babied and coddled way more regardless of of age right but what was it like being the baby with four older brothers you know did they were you the princess to them did they kind of punk you around and make you tough what was that like um i you know when I, when i meet the brothers friends not so much these days but just recently ended i'll meet the brothers friends and uh and they'll say oh i didn't know you had a sister and I'll be like, story of my life. <laughs> Thank you. You know, so it it was um, completely the opposite of opposite of of a kind of a princess situation. Um, yeah, I think they 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 love me in their way, but but because of the structure of our family, and don't, my parents are amazing, and they've always doted on me and loved me and supported me. But the brothers being so close in age and so. Um, charismatic and when we were up in the bay they're break dancers and i break dance with them but you know they're they coined themselves i was part of the street freaks too if they were here i would tell them i was like <laughs> I so, we so believe the story, they, yes yeah, we were all we were all break dancers i mean i was much younger i retired when i was four guys 
I'm like, wow, OG. that was like, oh, gee, stop at your peak. That's yeah, smart. No, that's yeah, when you're most was, flexible. That's when body you're... was just, yeah. yeah, they were throwing me around. I was killing it. Um, and the story goes, when we moved down here, my mom um, came down with a hundred dollars and just moved us down here. And there's this um, little, <laughs> there was a couple months there where I stayed behind with my father um, and then me and my dad joined later. But my brothers like to say, no, 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 you didn't move. You didn't come with us like right at the go. They make it sound like it was a year. I'm like that. It wasn't a year, guys. It was like a couple just a couple months. And then I was down here. So I don't know why you tell the story like I wasn't there. So that's been my whole life. These, these are my <laughs> brothers. <laughs> so, it was, it, you know, and for that, it's, it is laughs, but it's definitely um, which the fabulous Filipino brothers, there's definitely room for, for a spinoff or my own narrative or the fabulous Filipino sister or, or many, actually many different narratives. So this is just one, one story essentially and one point of view on, on the Filipino family and, and these, and these four brothers. But yeah, for, uh, for better or worse, we've had, we've had rough times. I mean, we didn't talk for seven years at one point. I thought it was like done skis. We're not going to be a family anymore like that. Um, but we're enormously close now. We were enormously close before, but you know, things this the the patriarchy is real. I mean, it it's it's a it's a and it wasn't something that actually was um surprisingly wasn't enforced by um by like my parents or my family as much. I mean, it's always there, but what really like pulled us apart in many ways, Hollywood has been this great mm -hmm. blessing to us. But then in a lot of ways, Hollywood and our experiences in Hollywood also really shaped our relationship and the divide between between me and them, which is, you know, not as much now. <laughs> I was thank you for talking about that, because I was doing a little digging on the Internet about you, as we do about our guests. And it's like, you wow. Too. OK, good. <laughs> You have to, right? It's there. Um, but you're you're a singer, you're a musician, you're a poet, you're a producer, you're you're a, a film writer and maker. And I was like, man, her brothers are her like the brothers, right? And that's that's who we've grown up knowing and knowing your brother Dante. Um, but we didn't know you, and I was like, that fucking sucks because <laughs> mm -hmm. it was it was the brothers and a sister or it was just the family. So I, I don't know if I really have a question out of that, but I was thinking about it. I'm glad you brought it up. So there was a little bit of divide for you guys or seven year divide and the and the patriarchy didn't help and American culture didn't help and neither did Hollywood culture. How did you all come back together and how do you find that way and that spark to be creative again? Uh, well, well. I think that I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm Panay. I'm forgiving. I'm my mother. My mother is like all forgiving. And I, but I'm also, unlike my mom, I'm not afraid to be angry or emote rage at times. But, um, you know, it, I didn't, I never stopped being creative because I, just a lifestyle. I mean, it's just what, it's just what I've always been. I don't, it's not, I'm not really, it's, I'm not a noun. I'm kind of just, it, I'm a verb. Like I, you just keep, I'm creating, you know, I'm just creating things um, at all stages of my life. And then it, it's forgiveness is a really huge thing. Wanting to heal more than you want to have the fight. 
you know, wanting to, wanting to, um, win, 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 win a family, win a healing more than you want to be righteous. And I think that's where people sometimes get hung up in their differences with family members for sure. And, but also friendships and boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, romantic relationships, uh, being able to decipher, well, what, what do we want? Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be together or stay together or whatever the, the issue might be? Right. And it's kind of, that's kind of the thing. So I think with us, with me, there was a lot of anger, but during that seven years, yeah, I moved to New York. I wrote a show. I was doing my own thing. Like I traveled around the world and, and it was really tough and it, and it was very hard. And, and I had an opportunity there. I don't think anyone would have looked at me sideways if I like went over the cliff a little bit and, and was just like, you know, just went over the cliff a little bit tested some waters and got a little crazy. But for me during that time was I couldn't, uh, I really, at that point I, I, re I was really had to be five children and me cause the brothers weren't also talking to my parents. So it kind of broke, it, even if I, I was so low, but I couldn't put my parents through that. You know, I couldn't have my parents come to New York and get me out of a gutter. Like what that they already aren't, you know, like that's just so that was, the most heartbreaking for me. So, so having, having values and feeling responsible, you know, and accountable to a family that even when they're in, in the face of adversity or this break where there may not be a light at the end of the tunnel, still just doing the best you can, you know, because I still respect my family. I still respect my parents. I have some self-respect <laughs> to not, not go, totally overboard you know mm -hmm. so i think you just you just do and then and then after that uh, that that seven years because that was like uh 99 to 2006 mm -hmm. i mean i went on you know now i i'm a single mom of two with two different i call them sperm donors that's <laughs> <laughs> well that's what they did um, that's what they did. Facts, facts. Then, it's facts. It's facts. It, I mean, that's what the interaction was. Uh, and um, and then you you know, with that too, you just you just keep going. And but I think that this was something that happened, like from. So not only am I, I I'm like the last girl. Obviously, you just met my brother. Um, when I was born, I was born with this condition called macrosia, which is basically I was born with one ear. So I'm totally deaf on one side of my ear, but also aesthetically, I don't have an ear. So growing up in that kind of just set environment and just always feeling feeling different and kids are mean and there, there's all these stories with that. So always kind of feeling like I got to work harder. I didn't even know that I had to work harder because I was an Asian woman until later on in my life I was just working hard because I had one ear then I was working hard because I wasn't you know included in the the brothers like they, they weren't including me then I was working hard because we moved to these like we were in very like predominantly Latino and black neighborhoods and like where, where where's my footing here you know so then I was working hard because I got in a performing arts high school but then it was all white people and I, you pull up to the parking lot and the school, the student parking lot and saw like Jaguars and Mercedes. And you're like, wait, where have I gone? Where am I? Where am I? You know? So 
it didn't even occur to me. And then the seven years happened and this, all the activism that I'm doing now with my arts organization, Palms Up Academy. And um, this wasn't until like, and yeah, we were hustling. We were paving the way for other Asians and we were doing things as a family and Dante was doing his thing and my brothers were doing their thing and I continued to hold space. And, um, but I didn't, but this awakening of, oh, I also have to work hard because I'm Filipino. And not only that, I'm a Filipino woman, which I was already working hard just to get a, a, the seat, a seat at the table, a seat at the table with my brothers. And it's like, oh, we need to work even harder to get a seat at the table, not even in Hollywood, but just like generally, the general colonized scope. <laughs> like, okay, here we are. Here we are. So to answer your question, you just do. You know, you find those pockets and 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 I'm not a and I'm not a fan of like struggle speech or trauma speech, but I know these things happen. I hold space for it. But I am more of a fan of like uh, proactivity and what can we do to get out of it? And how do we what do we create? What what platform can we provide? What what movie can we make? What mm-hmm. play can we make? What whatever, you know, what art can we make to to not just state the struggle, but actually in spite of the struggle, like, let's just shine. Can we just shine? Like, we don't always have to be like, part of the activism is combating it with not a lot of the speech talk, is just doing it, singing the shit out of a song. Am I allowed to cuss? It's called as much as you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yes. So, so like, part of part of the activism for me and for my kids too, is like, I'm not going to sit here and bitch about your dad's for the, what, what the fuck? That's, that's not the way that I'm going to use this time that I have that is as um, oppressed as it is, but as also as privileged as it, as it is in its own ways is to use it to actually shine light and like spread light and hope and, I don't know, hopefully empower other people to feel empowered so that they they too can do these things. They too feel like they can do these things, you know. Oh, Ariana, thank you uh, for sharing all of that. Um, I think it's so important for our listeners to hear that because, you know, on the surface, you, your family has been coined in L.A. as the the first Filipino entertainment family. And we and we see you out there and and you're all um uh, you know, we, we look up to your family, but, but, but shit's been real. You've had struggles, you've had pains, you've had sacrifices, you've had to overcome a lot to get to where you are today. So I think that's, that's really important for us to hear. Um, and I want to get to palms up because it's incredible. But before that, I want to talk about, I want to let our listeners know that you also wrote a novella called palms up. And it's a, a series of letters, uh, from a mother to her unborn child. And something I read one of them, Oh, thank you. There, look at you, ready. <laughs> just, That's what I'm talking it. about. Um, but I, I read, I read one of one of them uh, that I just wanted to highlight. It says, "Dear kids, being content with your life isn't about settling. It's about exercising happiness." And I love this concept of happiness being a muscle. You know, the more you use it, the stronger it'll be. So I, uh, I just uh, want to thank you for. Uh, that uplifting. I mean, it really moved me when I read that, and um, and it's something that I'm going to practice. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, that's totally. I tell that to to the folks at Palms Up all the time because it's if you're always if you're always operating from the mode of lack of, how are you ever going to be ready 
when everything when everything that you wanted is in front of you how do you how do you even how how do you know how to navigate a situation when you're just like so angry all the time about everything and that's great and a lot of people get if you're a performer or a poet or what you know get a lot of attention for that and awareness is important and those those people are important but for your own well-being for yourself are you happy when you go to bed at night do you know your name do do you know who your people are when you wake up in the morning if you're that then all good all day but if you're angry all the time then when these good things happen i mean this is what i tell my kids like how are you even gonna know how to respond? You don't even know yourself in happiness. You don't even know yourself in joy when something good happens to you and how to just receive it because the, you know, the inhale is just as important as the exhale, right? Like otherwise it's not breathing. It's called you know, suffocating yourself or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, happiness is, is definitely a muscle. I believe that. I believe it 100 and so is everything else. I think that's part of the acting training, right? When you, we grow up in class and we're exploring all these emotions and all of that, when just to be able to cry right now, like that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a muscle to be able to access that, to be able to access these emotions. And, and that's part of what Palms Up Academy is, is like this kind of breathing ground to nurture artists who never, especially Asian artists, especially artists of color, who never had the opportunity to even be looked at as like not the Asian poet in the room or the Asian actor who came in or the or the um, casting all ethnicities. Okay, I got to be the best, whatever. But just like as an artist, like as a with the decency of just like yo, let's let's talk art, let's talk your emotions, let's break down how these things happen moment to moment, like all of these things that I've learned throughout my life that that I was fortunate enough to be looked at as an artist and and uh and treat it as one with dignity and with and really get into the work more than it was about the bullshit really you know so yeah well i we're already basically at time but i want you to talk about as we wrap i know (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness as we wrap though talk about palms up where did it come from when did it start where can people find it what's it all about Please. Yeah. Um, Palms Up Academy is at Palms Up Academy. Palms Up Academy is a moniker that has had many names throughout the years. Um, so, you know, I, I, I if, if, if the real like the true, true history of Palms Up would have to be that my brother started DPL, the Poetry Lounge, which is the largest and longest running poetry lounge in in uh, in the States and possibly globally. And that had started in the nineties in our living room. And I was always so like, you know, of course I was inspired by that. I was a teenage kid. I'm like, what's up? Yeah. Right. right. And, uh, and then we had our breakup and I did some stuff in New York. And, and then when I came back, when I came back to LA, I had actually not yet, we, we hadn't made up. I just decided I'm, I'm going to move back to LA. I want to be closer to my parents. I don't want to, I want to go back to LA. And and when I came back to L.A., um, I hated that feeling of not belonging because I was ostracized from this from this group that we were in because blah, blah, blah. It's part of the seven years. Um, so I was just like innately like I'm going to I'm going to provide space. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to create space. I'm going to provide space for artists. And I used to run this 
spot called Tard and Feathered, but I wasn't even hosting then. I was just like producing it. So it was called Tard and Feathered um, because it, it's just that. I feel like everyone's felt like they've been Tard and Feathered. So I made a zine and I hooked up with this clothing company. Zines, and then, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I had like of course three, I think we made three zines and um, we had a show every Sunday, everything from like, we would book four bands. So you'd, you'd see like a, a hip hop band, a punk band and a um, singer songwriter and some like EDM band. And then in between we would have poets and then we would have these like live artists doing like a month long, like, like one time I bought mannequins and I'm like, yo, for a month, every week you can only work on it here for a month you guys are going to make like you guys are going to have your own mannequins and and it'll be complete in a month or like we made a big globe like you get this part of the world blah, blah, blah. so i was always at from the point where i felt like i didn't belong or my whole life then wanted to have this like passion to before inclusivity was the was the word that's right. what I was doing. Now I look back and I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I was doing. I was putting all of these rockers and hip hop heads and singers on all in one place and having my dad barbecue in the back. <laughs> oh, and sounds great. The first spot we were at was at a gay bar in the valley. Like it was crazy. You know, it was like on a Sunday afternoon. It was just and I just kept going. So that was tart and feathered. And then I was and then I did speakeasy at the last bookstore, which is a staple out here in um, L.A. for like six years just free every Monday night. I just kept showing up. Like it got to the point where I didn't even know anybody who worked at the bookstore except the cashier and stuff. But I didn't know any of like the higher ups and they didn't know me either, but they're like, we can't close it because everybody comes here for it. <laughs> we don't know her. Can someone introduce us? I'm like, I, yeah, who runs this place? Um, so that was speakeasy. Then I, then it overlapped with the great company, uh, this other spot that I did stuff. And we were initially the great mic and then we became our mic and then we started getting into really, and that's when, so Speakeasy was like Skid Row folk to the, you know, veteran poet that I just know from spaces because Skid Row folk would literally give up a bed to come to my mic. Mm -hmm. And some of them would like full drum kits just for their like five minutes on the mic. It was, it was crazy. It was bananas. And then I overlapped with our mic, um, which was a dope space, which did, innately cater more to the Asian face and the Asian diaspora. And that's when I started really realizing like these motherfuckers have never been talked to like just an artist, mm -hmm. just like, so I started doing these things called round two, which is now B sides at palms up Academy where, yeah, it's an open mic, but then after the mic, not after it, it within the mic, maybe I'll put up 20 people. Then I'll get all those 20 people back up in different situations maybe they go back into their poem but they sing to the singer songwriter the singer songwriter sings to them you know like maybe i don't know maybe i just jotted down everybody's one line from from their pieces and then i just have them come up and then all of a sudden it's like a choir that you just say that line you just have to sing that line and then all of a sudden there's all these harmonies and then i'll have someone come up and do their piece again in front of this like choir of of sounds you know cacophony of sounds um there's so many things and I, and I don't ever know what I'm going to do until I'm inspired by the list that night. So our mic happened that ended uh, because of space and everything. And then nine months later, 2018 birthed Palms Up Academy. And, um, and that's basically what we're doing now. Palms Up Academy is a slew of programming from the mic itself. We just opened in person last week. Wow. Um, 
Congratulations. Thank you. We're so excited. It's a dope amphitheater um, in Highland Park um, at, a, at a school campus, which we are actually helping them. We just started our GoFundMe today, too. We're, oh. we're helping them. We're trying to get their enrollment up. And, and Principal Jake is actually from the Bay Area. Uh, his name's Jake Gordon, if you guys may know him. Um, but he he knows all of our people in the Bay and he's the principal now. He became principal during COVID times. But his whole thing with his school, with his high school is like, he's focused, he is like uber focused on decolonization curriculum, which is super, super dope. And it's a small school. So we're we're really trying to help him up his numbers by having the mic there and having an access point. And we're also going to be doing some outreach to, to some of the schools in the area to try and get his numbers up the enrollment. Otherwise they're going to close in 2022. Mm -hmm. So that's Los Angeles college prep Academy and palms up Academy together. But we also have classes. I mean, I I teach um, art class for creatives, my boy fuzzy. We started a program called chords and fuzzy toward with public enemy. He was on the voice. He does like K-pop stuff, like super dope. Um, so just trying to really create every, all these ways where we can reach out to artists, like that there's a platform, that there's a place that you can come to. And and if we don't have it, and you want, I'll probably find a way to create it. <laughs> oh, I really want to learn magic. Actually, we do have a magician in our camp. <laughs> then, yeah, then we'll have you, yeah, you go train with Dre Magics, you know? So, so it's like we have... Because I feel like really blessed as as hard as life has been for me and feeling unseen. I mean, we could go on forever. I know I got to go, though. But but like (laughs) my brothers and feeling unseen, not just in the industry, but then even in your own family. Fighting so hard for that. Now it's like everything that I'm doing now with Palms Up and and my niece's video gold. I don't know if you guys got to see it. Yes. Um, We need to talk about that next time. Yes. Yeah. Supporting the next generation. It's like. This this work that I'm doing now is about people feeling like hoping I'm trying to help facilitate folks to understand art and not art in general, like your art, your narrative. I'm not looking for cookie cutters. I'm looking for autonomy, you know, so understand your own narrative, your own art, especially in this day and age with social media, because you can put a bunch of bullshit out there and then you're going to look back at it in 10 years and maybe you'll be like, oh shit, that was funny. I grew and I evolved. Or maybe sometimes you're going to be like, who the fuck was that? (laughs) And why (laughs) was I doing that? And, And then even more so, maybe you'll be like, I'm so stuck in 10 years ago, I'm still making the same kind of art. Because that's what I was, I, I don't know, that's what I was known for. That's all I knew. So it's really about, Poems Up Academy is really about knowing yourself. And then how are you going to be doing, and then how are you going to be doing that storytelling and helping with it, whatever resources that I have um, from myself and my family and people I know, like, how can I help facilitate that for you? How can we get your album made? How can we get your chat book made? How can we make your zine? How can we do all of those things. But then there's this base of programming that people can just come and fucks with it and just be like, I'm an artist. I think, all right, let's go. Let's roll. Let's see what's up. You know? So from every access point to like, I like to think of Palms Up Academy, like a gym. Hmm. So if Palms Up Academy was like a gym. It's, it's like, if you show up to the mic, whatever, it's already, you're already a member. All right. You're already a member. You're in the mirror. You're like doing your reps. Cool. 
we have this program called Circles and they're intimate five person um, Zoom circles where it's like if you were at the gym and you were like, yo, I need a spot. You know, can you show me how to do this? You know, with like a group. So five person intimate feedback circles. But then we have classes which are down the hall, like the Zumba classes, the spin classes. Ooh. Okay, we got art class for creatives. We got chords. We got this other one coming out, um, breath and body. Like we have these other classes. And then when we do things like Glimmer, my short film, or um, we're about to go into production and to like a mixtape, like now you're in the ring. Now we have to deliver. Now we got to really do this shit. Like now you're actually literally in the fight, you know? So, um, so that's kind of how I, kind of how I think about it whenever I think of another program. Like, is this a, is this a Palms Up Flash Fest? Like where we're just putting on content and, or, or a nine at nine. We have a online mic nine at nine every Thursdays that we started because of COVID or even this recess mic, or is this like more of a circles thing, like a group thing, or is it like a... This is intensive. This is really intensive, guys. You need to go down the hall and like really work yourself out. Um, so it's kind of what we're doing. I mean, that is what we're doing. We just keep building. So. <laughs> oh, but we're gonna be up there. We're coming. Yeah, I know. Um, you're Gardens. I know. We're coming for, for Cam. Yes. Yes, we're coming for Cam, and we also um, was really cool. Got hooked up with Cultivate Labs, and we're doing a pre-reception. Uh, at Capua Gardens from three to five this Friday. This Friday, okay. I mean, okay, okay we're gonna have to have, have you back on, but Ariana Bosco, I mean, you're you're teaching us, so thank you so much for being on the show, and um, we see you. So, thank I lady, do. lady Bosco, queen, yeah. boss bitch, yeah, boss bitch, go boss, boss bitch. bitch. <laughs> yes, thank you for being on Bitch Talk. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. <laughs>